Psalm 127. It's a very short chapter. It's five verses long. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I'm going to ask my son, Jesse, since you know, he doesn't normally come on Wednesdays, but now he normally comes. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to point out something to you. If you look at this chapter, the very, the heading of the first verse, what does it say? A song of degrees for Solomon. There are 15 of those. This is the eighth one. There are seven before it. There are seven after it. This is right smack dab in the middle of those songs of degrees or songs of ascension. It is said that when the children of Israel, because Jerusalem was a little bit elevated, when they would sing and they would come and, and they would ascend to Jerusalem, they would sing these 15 psalms. Also, there was a place around the temple that had 15 steps, and then when they would come up, they would do one, uh, one psalm per step as they ascended. So <clears throat> this is a song of degrees. You guys can read about what all about psalms of degrees or ascension. But it says, except the Lord build the house. There's a lot of house building that takes place, isn't there? But if the Lord's not in it, that labor is in vain. Except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it. There's people that are building it, but that labor is in vain. Um, what is a house? Sister B, what is a house? A home? A place to dwell? What else is a house in Scripture? Some place that you live. What else is a house in Scripture? Where you congregate, church, right? The house of the Lord. People would assemble together in the house of the Lord. What else is a house in Scripture? Family. The house and lineage of Jacob. So if you have the house of Jacob, was that a literal building somewhere? When it says in Proverbs 14.1, I think it is, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Is, do you guys get a picture of a woman out there with her tool bags on and hammer and nails building that house? What do you guys think of when you think of every wise woman buildeth her house? I think it's Proverbs 14.1, is it? Yeah, it is. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. What does it mean that that wise woman is building her house? What does that mean to you? 
I called my mom one time. Remember this, mother? This was years ago. I said, Mom, you're supposed to be a house builder. You're supposed to be a house builder. And, um, and when you read, is it in um, the book of Ruth? Ruth, the very final chapter, chapter 4? Maybe let's go there. We're going to come back to Psalm 127. Is it Ruth chapter 4? I'm going to have to remember to come back. It says, um, um, I think it is. Um, verse 11. It says, all the people that were in the gate and the elder said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is coming to thine house, that's Ruth, like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel. These two ladies built the house of Israel. Do you see it? And one of the blessings, uh, Kylie, do you plan on being married someday? Okay, that's great. So I'm going to use Kylie for an example. Um, so this is one of the blessings um, that, you know, that would be upon uh, these uh, many times. They would give these blessings to these, to these women in Israel. Let's look at Genesis chapter 24, where it says, They blessed Rebekah and said unto her, and we're going to put Kylie right here. Let's just pretend like she's getting married. Said, Rebekah, you're our sister be thou the mother of thousands of millions. <laughs> and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. So, as you guys know, I started studying this particular topic. Um, another scripture that comes to mind, and I remember... Um, I've had to, um, you know, people have come and given me a hard time over the years for having as many children as we have. And so sometimes I snap back at them with a scripture or something. And this used to be one of the ones that I would say in Genesis chapter 30, when Rachel in verse 1 saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? So I used to ask that question when people would say that. And I'd say, am I in God's stead? <laughs> I'm not the one. So anyways, I, that was, it's just a play on words. It's just a whole, you know. Go back to Psalm 127. Never mind that. Psalm 127. Starting at verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, 
the watchman waketh but in vain. So I begin to wonder, because we're going to be talking about marriage and how to have a good and proper and right marriage. We were at youth convention one year, and I've shared this before, but Brother Mullings, he said, now, I want everyone here to stand if you've been in church for one year or less. And you could see some people that stood up. And then he said, I want anyone here, you guys just stay standing. Anyone here that's been in church for five years or less, and a few more people stood up. Now he said, if you've been in church all your life, I want you to stand. And the majority of that place stood. I was talking with Brother Temke about this when he was here for that revival, for the youth revival. And I was sharing that with him. And Brother Temke and I, and it was something I had thought about over the years. Imagine that you have an opportunity every single day to teach the Word of God. You know, a lot of people saying, I, I just want to have a Bible study. Well, if you got children, you got an audience. And in fact, if you're parents, it's something you're supposed to be doing on a daily basis, right? According to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so it is something, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture. That's education. That's tutorage. And so we have a responsibility to train, to teach our children. And so imagine we have these children, and we start teaching them the ways of God, the Word of God, how many here, Sister B, would you and Buddy be willing to um, go ahead and have another baby? Why, Sister B? What's that? You'd rather have grandchildren. Sister Patty, you, you ready to have another, a newborn infant? How come? Did you have grandkids? Brother McAtee, are you ready? Why, why not? What's that? Top point. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, my wife and I, we love children. Absolutely love them. But we're not at an age where we can have, we're, we're too tired. We don't have the energy. We don't have what it takes to raise it. It takes, it's, it's work. It's sometimes being up in the middle of nights, changing diapers, and it's doing a lot of things that, you know, they're running around getting into things, and, you know, we're old. <laughs> we don't want to run around after them. And uh, a lot of people view new converts that way because new converts are a lot of work. New converts, I mean, you, you have those spiritual dirty diapers. Me and Brother Temke were talking about this, how that the idea, the thought process is the same when it comes to babes in Christ brand new babies because it is a lot of work and we want the church to grow we want people to be saved but it, it's a lot of work to be honest because they mess up they fall they you know we're just like it's a lot of work and I you know you get phone calls sometimes in the middle of the night I messed up I I do I I get these phone calls and these people that I'm working I messed up I blew it I'm like you got to work with them. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And so you have to have this idea. 
In fact, it was Mother Teresa who made the statement that, and I have all these things highlighted and I've got so much material at home. She made the statement that if you had used birth control, she would not even allow you to adopt out of the orphanage that she worked out of because you didn't have that love for children. That was her philosophy, her idea, right? So do you really, really love these children? And the best chance that I personally have of making a difference is with my children. Statistically, raising them. And I started looking at how can I make sure that when my children get to a certain age that they live for God, how do I do that? Well, somebody said that they did this study in Texas for Bible quizzers, and if they had quizzed at least three years, something like close to 90% never backslid. And out of the 10% that did, a high percentage of those came back. So they, they followed these quizzers over a number of years in the test. It's not that they never backslid, so I thought, well, the odds and the statistics are good. I want to have my children doing something is, is there anything about the game? No. But there's something that transpires, hopefully, sometime in somebody's life when they're memorizing God's word, they're putting in their heart, and it's there. And something, hopefully, transpires. So I thought, I'm going to do that. And so when I learned about ALI, I said, I'm going to do that. I want to invest into my children. And there's a lot of parents that invest into their children, but are they investing spiritual things? Are they putting a priority on the spiritual things? And so we as, a par as parents, we really need to make this a priority with our children because we just have them for a short time. We have them for a short time. And um, so let's do everything that we can. So the Lord is the one that builds the house. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That's what we want. We want the Lord building the house. Uh, we learned another thing about homeschooling as well. We learned uh, statistically that uh, their chances of living for God were better when they homeschooled. We went, I read the books. I went to all. I, I liked the numbers and the stats, and the science. And if I want to be successful, if I have a 90% chance of being successful doing it this way, or a 10% chance of being successful doing it this way, which way do you think I'm going to go? And that's what about 80, 90% of, of youth in America in all churches are backsliding. So I want to make sure that I've got my children and I'm doing things for them that gives them a greater chance in living for God. And mamas, we got to do that too. Mothers, right? Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And so it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Did you ever look at children as a reward or a blessing? My daughter, Rosette, when she was born, or first of all, I, I got to say, when Jesse was born, you know, he came out and you heard this. <laughs> mm. It's like, you get, 
He was just so mellow, didn't fuss. He was not a fussy baby. Like, he was just so mellow. When Rosette came out, <laughs> total different story. Screaming, throwing a fit. <laughs> and my mom went and bought her a little bib that said, here comes trouble. And my wife tried to put that on her, and I said, no, my daughter will not wear that. I don't want to speak those kind of things into my children's lives. I won't do it. About a year later, um, I reminded my mom and my wife, I said, you remember that bib that said, here comes trouble? They're like, Rosette? No, she's no trouble. I go, exactly. <laughs> but you guys wanted to label her before she was ever you know, ever that. So we, we speak, children are a blessing of the Lord. So I want to tell them, you are, and I, this is what I love to tell the children, you are intend, an intended blessing. But the Bible does say, a child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. And I believe that. I believe if you let that child make its own decisions, and choose what's right for themselves, it will bring mama to shame. So you bring up a child in the way that they ought to go. You got to do it, right? So I'm sorry, but when I tell my children, you don't know what's best for you. You know, when they were growing up and little, you know, they wanted certain things, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Daniel, did you know that you don't know what's best for you all the time? But your dad and mom, sometimes you don't like it. Sometimes little children don't like it. But someday, hopefully, you get to the age where you appreciate. You appreciate what mom and dad didn't allow you to do. What they protected you from. So that's a very important thing. So children are, I believe, intended to be blessings. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Somebody called me up one time, and they had three children. This is years ago, and they said, our quiver is full. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> All right, you know what a quiver is, right? It's what holds the arrows, you know, so. Um, when I'm going into battle, I got eight of them. <laughs> I got eight arrows. No. <laughs> Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. It's something. You don't mess with an older person that's got a bunch of children and grandchildren that will come to their defense and their rescue. You just don't. That's their mom. That's their dad. That's their grandma. That's their grandpa. You don't mess with them. I don't know about anyone else, but I have seen my children uh, defend me. I just, wow. I've seen uh, some of them say things to defend their dad. So when you get to that place and, you know, you start experiencing that, I feel like, you know, I feel like I have this support group, you know, and I'm getting old. And I'm going to need it. I might need to have my diapers changed. So, so anyway. 
know, someday. So I might need, I might need that help. And so children, I started looking at children. I wanted to know what the biblical perspective was because our society has this perspective that's not always biblical. Did you guys know that? They don't always see children as blessings. They call them names. They like, I know this by experience, walking into a restaurant, people like, oh great, here comes all these, this family with all these children, you know. And so I know people, the comments people have made to me about having a big family. And um, so I understand what society teaches, what they preach. And so a number of years ago, uh, my personality is just um, strong enough that, um, that I wasn't going to let people push me around. <laughs> I wasn't going to let people push me around. So, you know, I just make comments back to them and stuff. But I was really curious because I always wanted a big family. That's just, since I was young, I, as long as, far back as I can remember, I wanted to have a big family. And um, so I remember praying about it because my wife was feeling the pressure. You know, people give you a hard time. People make comments. And my wife was having a hard time with it. And um, so I prayed. I said, Lord, this, I really believe, this is what I believe, but I don't want to be just because I prefer a big family but I need to understand, what is your view? Would you help me to know? Would you help me to understand? Because I want to see the biblical point of view. I don't have much evidence. I just got a feeling. And it might just be my personal preference. And so from that day forward, the Lord started opening um, like doors. And I started being able to find books and um one particular book, booklets, about 90-something pages by Randy Alcorn called Does the Birth uh, Control Pill Cause Abortions? Uh, is the birth control pill an abortifacient? Um, I joined a, a, a group called the American Life League, and it's a Catholic group, and they have a bunch of books, and I ordered a bunch of these books, and I started reading to find out what happens scientifically with birth control. In the lesson that me and Brother Rita, have, that he has it in his lesson, we have talked about it. He says birth control, something that's interesting, he uses the terminology birth prevention versus birth control because once a baby is conceived, once the conception happens, it is not righteous to destroy that baby. It's a baby. That happens before it implants in the lining of the uterus, the endometrium. It takes six to eight days once conception happens. That is a human being. And you're more unique, uniquely you at that point than at any other time in your life, any other time in your life, at that moment. The day after pill prevents that newly conceived child from implanting in the lining of the uterus. 
some birth control pills prevent that as well. The IUD, the intrauterine device, its sole purpose is to prevent that newly conceived child from implanting in the, the lining of the uterus. Its sole purpose. And so I was talking to my sister about this one time. She goes, the doctor never said it was the IUDs cause abortions. I said, because people define life at a different point. We, as the people of God, we define life beginning at the moment of conception. And so if they're not recognizing it as a human being, as a life, then, yeah, it's no big deal. A one-week, two-week-old, three-week-old, newly conceived child for it to be destroyed. But we, it is not righteous to prevent a child from implanting in the lining of that uterus, the endometrium. That's not righteous. And so um, there are ways uh, that uh, would be more righteous because it doesn't involve destroying a human life. It doesn't, it, it's not involved in that. And so I've read the books, Does the Birth Control Pill Cause Abortions? It has three ways that it prevents. And um, one of them messes with the ovulation. Woman has two ovaries, and those two ovaries has all the seed from the time she's born. Could you imagine this? From a time you're even in the womb, that little girl is born. She has all the seed she will ever have, and it's the largest human cell that we have. You look at a period on a piece of paper, that's about the size of one of those eggs. It's the largest. In that egg is 23 chromosomes. In the, the sperm is 23 chromosomes. When they combine together, it's 46 chromosomes. Every one of us in all the cells of every cell of our body has 46 chromosomes. 23 from mom, 23 from dad. And so at that moment of conception, that 46 chromosomes, it's everything, all the potential that you'll ever be in that single cell. In the six to eight days, it is multiplied multiple, many times by the time it gets down to the uterus. And so to prevent that from being born, that would, I would call that an abortion. Many of the doctors, many of the nurses wouldn't call that an abortion. Just do the day after pill. Well, the day after pill is an abortion. That's what it is, essentially. And many of the birth control pills do the exact same thing. It's one of the three things that happens. And so in Randy Alcorn's book, he, after studying it, reading all the fine print and ordering all the, you know, the inserts that you read on the birth control pills, he decided he could not ever recommend birth control to anyone in his church because of the possibility of it destroying a human life. And so God recognizes God recognizes life in the womb. Jeremiah said he was called from the time he was in his mother's womb. He knows your name from the, from the moment you're in that womb, from that moment that you're conceived. He knows who you are. And in fact, if, if the Bible says if I was to come up and punch a pregnant woman and, and uh, that baby is dies, you know what happens to me? 
if that baby dies? Who knows? What is it? Yep. It's the death penalty. It's the death penalty. But if it's just harmed and it doesn't die, then the penalty that I receive is going to be based upon what the father of that child determines. But if it dies, it's life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So that's what happened. In high school, we had, uh, in my economics class, we had a, it was an attorney or a judge or something came, and he, he was explaining that if you were to uh, hit a pregnant woman, she lose that child, that child dies, that's murder, if she wanted a child. If she really wanted that child, that's murder. If she didn't want it, she aborted it, it's not murder, right? They can go out and they can kill their own child. It's not murder. But if she wa- So the difference is whether she wants it or not. I even asked a question. So the difference is whether she wants it or not? And so um, we need to start looking at children as an heritage of the Lord. And from the time they're born... We as parents need to be training them, teaching them, be concerned about them. Brother Buddy, you ought to be, you still have say so in your son's life, biblically. And I would, (laughs) I would be, you know, me, knowing me, I'd be calling up that son. Brother Sharon's been doing it with his sons, hasn't he? I'd be calling up that son. I'd be calling up Michael, Brother Mac, or I just called him Brother Mac. I'd be calling up Michael Hardy, Brother Buddy. I'd be saying, hey, son, been praying for you. you know, talking to him. Talking to him. And um, I always want to be able to speak into my son's lives for sure. At some point, I'm going to give my daughters away, and they're going to be building another man's house. They're not going to be building my house. My wife came. She's not building the Martinez home. She started building the Thorson house. Sister Christy, you started building the Hines. You didn't build the Hines, no? You build the Martinez household. And, uh, you know, Sister McAtee, she's, she was a caress, right? She started building the McAtee household. Every wise woman built her house. Every wise woman builds her house. So mamas have to be concerned. Mamas, I mean, mama liked to burn, you heard the song, Midnight Oil Down on Her Knees in Prayer. So don't ever stop praying, you know, being concerned. You know, sometimes those children, they go astray. And, um, yeah, my wife does pretty good with that. Good pulling her children aside and having one-on-ones with them, talking with them. She does pretty good if she's concerned. So, um, any questions, comments? Because, I, I mean, I don't have any notes. So, you know, I, you know, I've thought a lot about all of the, this topic over the years. I've thought about Jesus' perspective when he said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. I started thinking about the perspective, you know, how the world views children and how God and his word views children. 
And so I'm not saying for everyone to go out and have 100 children or something. <laughs> I'm not saying any of that. That's for sure. But, um, but really, this is, uh, there is an issue uh, with birth control. There is an issue with many of them, Depropovera, IUDs, um, some of the other ones. Uh, I, got, I got paperwork on a lot of them that I've collected um, over the years, and I keep, try to keep everything together. And you go through and you read it, and you're like, wow, this really could be destroying or killing that child. So... Um, when I realized that, I just had this discomfort, like something didn't feel right. And when I read several of the books, I realized, you know what, this is a possibility that it could prevent that child from implanting, implantation and the lining of the uterus. And so um, there's other issues out there. There's all kinds of things we, we're seeing in our society today fertility clinics where they get a bunch of eggs and a bunch of sperm and they might get like seven or eight of them and they kill like four or five of them you know so they can keep a couple two or three so there's a lot of ethical issues around this particular topic and there's some ladies that are having babies for other people you know so there's some really difficult situations and you guys have heard about some of these things, but what does the Bible say about having children? children having children is something that a couple who has done it God's way, and they have that child, and they raise it the way that they're supposed to be raised. That's the way that it's supposed to be. Why did he make them one in marriage? Malachi 2. And one of the scriptures, I shared this before, is that he might seek a godly seed. And so one of the things that we must do is raise up our children to know the Lord. To know the Lord. And don't be weary in well-doing. Make sure that you do everything possible to make sure that child knows the Lord. I heard this from a pastor friend of mine. A couple of years ago, he, had, he wasn't really living for God. And his dad told him that he was going to fast until he came back to God. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, um, moms and dads, we, we do. We, I know that Kylie's not perfect. We know she's not perfect. And so, Brother Bloss, you still speak into her life. Sister Christy, that's your daughter right there. And these boys right here, those Martinez boys, yep. Biblically, they sh your daddy should always be able to speak into your lives. Michael, same thing. Daniel, same thing. Always, I, and I wanted my dad to be able to speak into my life. I was so convicted about it one time because my dad would bring me books after books. And he'd say, son, I think you'd read this. I go, okay, on the bookshelf, on the bookshelf, on the bookshelf. I was so convicted one time that here my dad was trying to pour into me and I wasn't. So I 
grabbed a book off the shelf. I started reading it. I, you know how much interest I had in reading that book? Zero. But my dad suggested it. So I thought I need to do that. My, I'm sure my dad had his reasons for recommending this book. And I finished this first book I read that my dad gave to me to read. I brought it back to him. I said, Dad, I read it. He goes, what'd you think? I said, it was really good. There's a lot of, it was all on pastoral counseling. Like I needed to read a book on pastoral counseling, right? I'm just a young punk kid. <laughs> I said, Dad, it was, it was really good. Um, he said, I, I thought that would, you would enjoy that. You're going to need that someday. Me? You know why? So sometimes dads, they know. Caleb, your dad, he, he knows. Yeah, that guy right there. Amen. Any questions, comments, accusations? No, no, no comments. No. Whew. Question, Daniel? I saw your hand go up. Are you scratching your forehead? Okay. Christy, question. Sister Patty, question. Yeah. You sure? I didn't really want to do the thing. The, the lesson on marriage is so good that I had for tonight. It is awesome, but there's some things I needed to read that I didn't, I don't have memorized. So, um, let me just tell you just real quickly about the three levels and how they relate in marriage, spirit, soul, and body, you know, courtship, engagement, marriage. So we'll, talk, we'll relate those three, each one of those. Um, a lot of times we have it all reversed. You know, we go body, soul, spirit. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23, pull that up real quick. The Apostle Paul writes, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, see how fast they are. Ba-boom. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the narrator of Scripture. That's the order he puts it. Spirit first, soul then body. The enemy, Satan, wants to start with the body. All flesh, physical. And if we start at that place, it's very difficult to ever have, get to that place where we have that connection and that spirit. So we'll talk about that more next time. But I didn't want to just dive into it without some things specifically that I want to read. Amen. Sister Katrina, oh, you have a question. Yes. Um, well, with the birth control for men, uh, you don't have. Are you talking about um, just getting a, a guy that gets fixed? that type of thing, because that doesn't cause conception, right? So you, 
you don't have a moral issue of, um, you know, in your mind saying, hey, I, this child was aborted, right? So um, it's not necessarily the same things. Even sometimes when a woman has a, her tubes tied, a tubal ligation, sometimes um, we've heard of stories where she got pregnant anyways or even tubal pregnancies. You've heard of that, and those babies can't make it. They're not going to survive. But um, they're, the only thing with that would be to consider the health concerns with it. So, yeah. There is a ministry called Broken Arrow. They used to be called Broken Arrow Ministries that helped men do reversals <laughs> years ago, back when I was studying all that stuff. So, Brother McAtee, would you pray in closing? Amen. All right. I told you guys, no notes. It's just dangerous. Because <laughs> your mind wants to go 100 different directions. You're like, wait. Oh, turn that off. 